Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. Inhibited, uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So for our younger listeners who are here this morning, three things to be listening for. The first, who is Jeremiah? The second, what season are we still in? And the third, I would love for you to draw me a picture of what it looks like to be a tree planted by water. So three things for our younger listeners. Well, in the book of Jeremiah, we read about all the missteps of the leaders and the people of Judah. In the midst of the political unrest and upheaval that is happening, the prophet Jeremiah is calling out, hey, look. Political alliances seem helpful, but they are not the thing that will save us. They are not the thing that will make sure we are all well in body and soul. And he's not just some off-base guy yelling at people. He's actually right. He's a prophet. That's his job, to tell the people the words from God, the ways in which they have misstepped. And the political alliance that is being set up between Judah and Egypt angers the Babylonians, causing them to react by sending Judah into exile. As commentator Bobby Morris writes, most readers of Jeremiah see the totality of the Babylonians' intention and actions as the direct result of God's anger and vengeance towards Judah. The text makes clear that God was most certainly involved in the coming of the Babylonians. This does not mean, however, that God created the Babylonian Empire and armies and instilled therein a sense of vicious imperialism so that it could be unleashed upon God's people at their first misstep. Instead, God makes use of the already established regional policies and practices of the Babylonian Empire as an instrument of God's own judgment and punishment against the deep and ongoing offenses of the people of Judah. See, God's people have made choices to turn away from God, the God of their ancestors, the one who created them, who freed them from slavery and gave them the land they inhabit. They've begun worshiping other gods, basically ripping up and trampling on the covenant that God made with them. They are listening to all the wrong people and paying attention to all the wrong things. They are putting all of their trust and their livelihood, as Jeremiah says, into mere mortals. The story which happened centuries ago still sounds a bit familiar, doesn't it? And if we had time, we could surely take a deep dive into what this text has to say to us today, both geopolitically on a world stage and sociopolitically on the more local stage of our workplaces and our schools and the neighborhoods that we live in. But what I'm most interested in in this moment 
is a more personal question of what gets in the way of our trusting in God. We are still in the season of epiphany. You might not know it because we took down all the stars, but that's still the season we are in, the season of discovery and awareness and awe of God's wiggling of God's self into our very lives through the infant, the child, the adult, the very person of Jesus. We need this elongated season of epiphany each year because year after year, Jesus stands right before us and we often can't even spot him. And perhaps don't even remember that we were ever trying to look for him. Earlier this year when we drew star words, the word that I randomly chose was rest. Rest. I did choose it randomly. I didn't go looking for it, I promise. (laughs) Though I realize that seems suspicious. But the word is rest. And over the last few weeks, I've been thinking a lot about this word and what God might be saying to me within it. I've been pondering the stance or the posture I want to assume around this word of rest. Well, in true type A fashion, I've made a list of references in the Bible about the word rest. I've made a list of phrases that include rest, like rest well and I'll take care of the rest. I've even listed things that I need rest from, like my compulsion to always be doing something. And another list of things I can do to find rest, like take a nap or a walk or just sit, look out the window. Rest is a hard thing to allow yourself in a culture of busyness, of to-do lists and get-her-done slogans and accomplishing goals that get bigger and better each year and, of course, to share about all of it on a social media as though somehow the number of likes on our Insta account or the number of views on our Facebook or number of videos on our YouTube or our TikTok channels equals our worth. Recently on author Emily P. Freeman's podcast, The Next Right Thing, there was an episode about being a sole minimalist. She shares in this episode that author Joshua Becker defines minimalism as the intentional promotion of the things we most value and the removal of anything that distracts us from it. So a minimalist is one who might focus on their external life, things like the closets that need to get cleaned out or the bookshelves that need to be purged, maybe even clear up their personal monthly or weekly calendar. But a soul minimalist looks internally, wondering what do I value most for my inner life? In other words, Freeman says, a regular minimalist asks, what am I holding on to? And a soul minimalist asks, what is holding on to me? What are you holding on to? And what is holding on to you that is getting in your way of trusting God? The answers that we find when we ask ourselves these questions can lead us to see what needs to be cleared away in our lives so that we might be like a tree planted by the water. For me, through this lens of rest, I can hear God calling me to pay attention not to what keeps me busy and certainly not to a subconscious belief that crossing out all of the items on my to-do list is what gives meaning or worth to my existence but to listen, rather, to the voice of the one who loves me just for being. What are you holding on to? 
and what has a hold of you that gets in the way of your trusting in God. In the historical context of Jeremiah, the people of Judah have turned from God, and it appears that God might not just walk away, but also send armies to bring ruin to Judah. And yet this story highlights that God's love is pretty darn stubborn and unconditional. Even when God's children mess it all up, even when their choices invite terrible consequences, God continues to be present and to offer opportunities for renewal. God doesn't walk away. God stays. Jeremiah is clear that trusting in God is the goal, but also that even if you are able to trust in God in all the ways, in all the times, in all the places, it doesn't mean that the droughts won't come. There will still be trials. We will face difficulty and tumult and chaos. But if we can turn to God in these times, rather than putting our trust in mere mortals, we will be able to endure. You will be able to endure. You will once again blossom and bear fruit. So I ask you again, what are you holding on to? And what has a hold on you that gets in your way of trusting in God. May you let go of those things so that you may be rooted in God and God's presence and stubborn love in each of our lives. Alleluia and amen. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.